often the the pushback that we'll get is this idea that they say, look, I'm a I'm a small outfit. I have 15, 20 people. I can't draw people the way that Microsoft and Google can. I'm not a household name. People don't aren't going to hear my company name and associate that with strong company culture. Mm-hmm. I don't have an omelet bar like Google does, right? I can't I can't do that. And so then they basically reject the idea of company culture altogether. Like it is this high corporate concept that they can't hope to achieve what kind of the top of it the industry is doing Mm -hmm. with the top of another industry that's not even their industry is doing. And so they, they reject that idea of company culture altogether. And of course we know if you paid attention to episode 12, just because you reject the idea of company culture doesn't mean that you don't have one. Absolutely. It just means you probably have a rough company culture. Mm-hmm. You probably have a negative company Your culture. Your company culture could be you show up and you get a paycheck. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. This is episode 25, and we are going to be talking about Omelet bars. Omelet bars. We're not talking about omelet bars. We're talking about recruiting. We're talking about recruiting and we're talking about company culture. And on the surface, it seemed like those have nothing to do with each other. But by the end, you will see how they do. So a good episode to listen to before this episode, if you haven't already heard it. Or you just want a refresher and just enjoyed it so much you want to double down (laughs) it was a good episode but it was early so it's Mm -hmm. not as good I think as the episodes are now well our audio engineer actually leveled up their skills it's true yeah actually our audio engineer upgraded their equipment is what had happened oh so (laughs) episode 12 episode 12 is about company culture and the value of it and also about all of the different kinds of company culture that exist Mm -hmm. and how a different kind of company culture can bring a different kind of person to your company so that was a again an interesting episode not as fun as these and the audio engineering is not as good but Mm. still go listen to it it sounds like a flex. <laughs> you can come back and tell us how terrible the audio engineering was. That's right. Or go into the forum where you can talk about it. Mm. So let's actually, yeah, housekeeping. So before we get going on our topic, uh, our forum is finally live at www.jarrettsandjarrettes.com. It's for all the Jarrets and Jarrets out there. There's a link in the show notes. And the idea of the forum is that this is a place where if you listen to the podcast, you can go to uh, post silly things about the jetpack, to ask actual questions about the content of the podcast. And Jason and I will be in the forum keeping an eye and answering any questions we get, uh, or just to have a place to kind of talk with other people who are thinking about these things. Because we don't all know other people who are thinking about company culture or how to run your business. So any other housekeeping? I don't think so. So one of the the common sentences that we hear uh, cries for help is that I can't find good people, right? If I'm a business owner and I'm looking to grow or change, or maybe I've lost a couple of people over the last year, I'm looking to bring on new talent and they, they're just not out there. Mm-hmm. Just can't find them. And, and the problem is in the economy, right? The problem is that too many people are working and good people just aren't available. Yep. 
Or, or, or we could hear, I'm going to cut you off again, <laughs> or we could hear that uh, the, the new, young, fresh generation just doesn't want to participate in hard work. Yep. And, and that's almost a different discussion. Yep. Millennials don't know how to work, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we can we could probably do our whole own episode on that. Mm-hmm. So we won't address that one so much right now, although kind of because that is part of what we see in millennials is that they have a greater demand for the right company culture. Mm-hmm. So whether we're talking about economy or not, I think it's it's a valid point of discussion because the economy does have an impact on the number of available, talented workers who are on the market. It's true. It does. But I think ultimately, whether you're in a strong economy where everyone is at work, but people are less willing to put up with a bad job versus a weak economy where no one's working and everyone's just looking for work. But I think probably a lot of the talented people, the companies are holding on to them twice as hard because they know that their ship will sink without them. Mm. Either way, ultimately, a bigger indicator of bringing the right people in the door is your culture, Mm. what it's like to work at your company. So when clients will come to us and ask for help with recruiting to, to improve their numbers or improve their uh, talent base, the first question that we'll ask is, is this a healthy culture? Is this a place that I would want to work at? Is this a place that that encourages uh, synergy and, and camaraderie? Or is this a place where people just show up to collect a paycheck? So something we find ourselves saying, if we hear the question or the, the problem, I can't find good people all the time. The answer that we give to that, our knee-jerk answer every time is, do you have a recruiting problem or do you have a culture problem? That's the first question. So oftentimes we think that we have a recruiting problem, that Mm -hmm. good talent isn't available, but more often than not, the real problem that's underlying is the idea that our culture does not uh, cause people to want to join us, right? We're not, we're not, we don't have a good banner. We don't have a cause. We don't have an idea that folks want to get behind. And remember, the stronger the people, the more they're going to demand a good place to work. They're going to demand strong leadership. Mm -hmm. So we are going to end up with people, if we have a culture that is not good, we're going to end up with the people who have to take what they can get. Mm -hmm. We have one client who uh, is always on the hunt for new talent, but essentially they're not taking care of their most important client who is who are the employees that already work there absolutely so they'll focus to hire one and then while they're not paying attention to their to their core uh, employee group then they'll lose two out the back door so we put all this focus and all this attention on hiring 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 bringing in new people to to be able to grow and to be able to fill all the work that we have. And because we're not paying attention to making the company a better place to work for the people we have, they are leaving all the while. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a compounding problem because we're, we're not really solving any problem, Mm -hmm. right? We're, we're just going down this downward spiral where we're spending money and spending time trying to recruit and we're not keeping our, our existing team base. And basically then our culture collectively starts to spiral down with it. Mm -hmm. So this is a little like if you have a failing foundation 
and your house is falling in because the foundation is failing and we take all the parts of the house that have fallen in and just clear those away and rebuild mm -hmm. and because the foundation is failing those pieces are just going to fall in just the same because without a good foundation we can't have a house there uh, but we often look at that and i think in the same that's a good analogy because when you think about trying to fix a piece of wall that has fallen in. That's not an overwhelming job to that's, do. That's the term I use, piece of wall. I don't, I, you're the construction one. <laughs> the point is, when you have a wall that's falling in and you have to fix that, that's not a huge overwhelming job. Mm -hmm. The idea of taking the whole foundation and fixing the foundation and tearing the whole house down and starting over, that's terrifying mm -hmm. and overwhelming. But the truth is, until we do it, we're never gonna have a stable house. So some folks will look at this bigger problem of, of the failing foundation and bring in a star player for the, the purpose of if I hire a person who is skilled enough, then they can come in and they can change the game for us. Mm -hmm. They can just pull us out of this this nosedive. Mm -hmm. You could see this, I think, a, a place where, where this is often uh, a strategy is if we have a sales team that's struggling. And then we bring in some very talented, high earning, kind of almost lone wolf salesperson to come in and, and just sell and pull our company out of the out of the, the red. But the problem with that is that we still have our team on board. And if we aren't careful how we implement this, then this is kind of like when we bring a new baby home and mm -hmm. give all the attention to the new baby. Yeah. And the older siblings are like, hey, and in the what same we, chopped liver. Right. Huh? <laughs> so I don't think people eat liver anymore. I don't know that they have to, you know, <laughs> I think McDonald's is for something. It's true. Do you okay. think there's liver in McDonald's? I'm sure. Ew. Okay. So, <laughs> when, when we're trying... The point is, when we bring in a person who uh, is meant to, to save the team, mm -hmm. it's important that we bring the team in on that conversation uh, and make them a part of this process, of, of this hiring process, mm -hmm. before we bring that person in, so that they feel like we are working together on this strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, although it is a valid question, sometimes we see where we have teams who are not necessarily able to carry what we need them to carry. Mm -hmm. So the question there is, are we looking to save the team or are we looking to save only the parts of the team who are willing to join us mm -hmm. in our new our new culture and our new enterprise? So the, uh, the analogy that we'll use with clients is essentially we're going to raise the water level. And the question is, who is a strong enough swimmer to come with us? Mm -hmm. It's not for, for the purpose of intentionally leaving people behind, but it is important that if we want to stay relevant and stay strong mm -hmm. in, in our market, mm -hmm. we have to have a continually improving team that is strong enough to be able to keep up with the current market demand. Well, I think there's a strategic piece here because I've seen both situations. Sometimes we have a team and they're kind of unwilling to join the future mm -hmm. and we really need to give them that sink or swim mentality where the people who aren't willing to put in the effort, it's just time for them to move on to a company that is a better fit for them. Although sometimes we have people on the team who we really do want to keep those people, even though they maybe can't 
can't catch up as quickly as we would like them to. And in that sense, it's our job to kind of figure out how to give them a life jacket so that we can make sure that we keep them on as we raise that water level. But we see this all the time, especially in family run businesses where let's say we started off as a $2 million company and that $2 million company had an operations manager that was functioning perfectly well. Mm -hmm. However, 10 years later, we're a $30 million company Mm -hmm. and that operations manager has, has lost their, their, leg up and can't serve the needs of that operations manager position. So it doesn't mean you need to ditch them. Right. That's what I was just going to say. It doesn't mean they can continue to be the operations manager. Mm -hmm. But the question is, is this person someone that we want to either sink or swim as an operations manager or is this someone that is a spirit employee and we really want to keep them on board and we want to figure out what do they love? Mm-hmm. What are they good at? What are they strong at? Could we build them a place in the company where they can bring value doing what they're good at, even though they can't they can't be the operations manager anymore? Mm-hmm. And whether or not they're willing to take that is a part of whether they're committed to staying with the company. Mm-hmm. Do they feel like a part of the family or do they feel like they've been left behind? Mm -hmm. And that has a lot to do with how we manage that relationship. Well, and that's kind of why I like to liken it to giving them a life jacket Mm -hmm. in the rising water. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if they can see that that's what's happening, they can see that we are uh, we are building a structure to keep them because we want them, then they're going to be in the place where they're going to take that and they're going to stay with us and they're going to remain loyal. If they see it like we're taking something away from them, then maybe we need to reconsider whether they're a good fit in the team. Mm -hmm. So the most important idea or concept to uh, think about, the most important factor when we're trying to hire strong team members is understanding what your culture is. Absolutely. So often we have the, the pushback that we'll get is this idea that they say, look, I'm a I'm a small outfit. I have 15, 20 people. I can't draw people the way that Microsoft and Google can. I'm not a household name. People don't aren't going to hear my company name and associate that with strong company culture. Mm-hmm. I don't have an omelet bar like Google does, right? I can't I can't do that. And so then they basically reject the idea of company culture altogether. Like it is this high corporate concept that they can't hope to achieve what kind of the top of it, the industry is doing Mm -hmm. with the top of another industry. That's not even their industry is doing. And so they, they reject that idea of company culture altogether. And of course we know if you paid attention to episode 12, just because you reject the idea of company culture doesn't mean that you don't have one. Absolutely. It just means you probably have a rough company culture. Mm-hmm. You probably have a negative company Your culture. Your company culture could be you show up and you get a paycheck. Like, so we had a group and we asked the question, uh, what is the company culture here? What is the promise that the company makes to the team? And the answer we got was, if you show up, you will get a paycheck. And we said, what is the team, the promise that we expect the team to make back to the company? And the answer was, you will show up for work. Mm-hmm. And that is a company culture. That is a culture that exists and it exists a lot in the mm-hmm. construction industry. And so we could ask, how many bees is that going to attract mm-hmm. uh, from a, a recruiting standpoint? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, we're going to have a hard time recruiting people mm-hmm. because that's all we're selling. That's that's yep. all you get is you get a paycheck. And let's say 50, 100 years ago, that was that was good enough. Yep. But in the world that we live in and as we're moving forward, uh, people expect more. People expect something different. Absolutely. People want to be a part of something. 
So in a, a recent interview that we performed, uh, the, the candidate said one of the ways that he would determine uh, what company culture looked like before he signed up. Well, he wasn't using the words company culture mm-hmm. even. Yeah. Well, what were, what were the words that he was using? We asked him mm-hmm. how basically he decides where he wants to work. Because this was the part of the conversation, and we'll talk more about this in the next episode about interviewing, where we said, uh, it's your role to be interviewing as the interviewee. Mm -hmm. It's your role to be asking us as many questions about the job as we're asking you about your qualifications, Mm -hmm. because you should figure out whether this is a good fit for you. And he said, the way that I can tell whether it's a good fit for me is I like, before I take a job, to get in to the office, to get into the field, and to look at how the people are interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. It's less important what they're saying to me and more important what they're saying and how they're behaving with each other mm-hmm. because that tells me whether or not it's a family there. Yeah. He was talking about culture, even though he never used the word culture. Mm-hmm. And that's a practice that I've used throughout my career, too, in making those decisions about where I want to go. If you if you look at how people treat one another inside of that that house when no one is looking, mm-hmm. that will tell you how they're going to treat you mm-hmm. in all likelihood when you get there. Absolutely. Even when they're on their best behavior, mm-hmm. you can get a feel for it. You can get a sense. So finally, other than just the idea that by having a good culture, we will attract the right people. If we end up somehow getting into hiring a good person, even though we have a dysfunctional company culture, we will also lose people through attrition where as soon as they get settled and they realize how bad that company culture is, they move on. Mm -hmm. So they thought they were signing up for one type of culture, for Mm -hmm. one type of experience. And whether through intentional misdirection or just misunderstanding, they signed up for something that they didn't anticipate. Mm -hmm. And they look around and everything sets in and then they start to panic and realize, this is not what I signed up for. I think I'm going to try something else. And two weeks later, they're gone. And this can be hard to recognize because sometimes it looks exactly like that. It looks like someone who hires in and just leaves shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. And they don't necessarily tell you why. They just leave. I I got a better offer. Mm -hmm. The other way this can look is that they start out strong. They start out with a lot of promise and then they start to get sucked down into that negative culture and they start to not perform well or not show up or show up late. And in those cases, we think, well, I really misjudged that person. I thought that person was going to be a great hire. And it turns out they were just a dud. Mm -hmm. But the truth is. That may have been our influence, our company's influence on that person. So we were meeting with a a major general contractor in the area and uh, the HR director shared that they were having a challenge with with the perception of high turnover, Mm -hmm. meaning that that it was tough for them to recruit people because the, the people who they were interviewing had the perception that there's high turnover at this company yeah. and my likelihood of success is low if I sign up here and it makes you wonder why is everybody leaving mm-hmm. why why does no one stick around there are usually a handful of reasons for it but this is almost a, a feedback loop that gets created yeah well and that's so she said that that's what re- the feedback that recruiters were sharing with her mm-hmm. was that the recruiters 
would move along through the process until they found out who the company was. And then they would say, I don't want anything to do with that company. Their mm-hmm. turnover is too high. Mm-hmm. And if, if the people that you're trying to recruit have that perception of you that your turnover is too high mm-hmm. and then people keep leaving and you hire people mm-hmm. on and then they're not happy and they keep leaving, it just continually uh, pushes that idea and makes that situation worse. Absolutely. So again, rather than focusing on us having a recruiting problem, mm-hmm. we should be focusing on, do we have a culture problem? Mm-hmm. How are we living by our company values? Are our company values in line with, with our actions mm-hmm. or not? Well, and the final piece of this is what can be really challenging here is when you have not just not a great culture, but when you have a toxic culture, when you have a culture that is driving people away mm-hmm. and you say, okay, well, I can't fire everyone and then start over. I need to get good people in. I need to get positive people in, in order to be able to shed some of those negative forces within the company. But the problem with that is as long as those negative forces are still in place, when we bring the new positive team in, they're not going to be able to survive in that environment. We need to clean house a little Mm -hmm. before we can bring new people in. And this can put us in kind of a kidnapper's dilemma where it's hard to get rid of those toxic people who are carrying a lot of the weight of our day to day, but until they're gone, we have to, we have to find a way to protect a new team Mm -hmm. uh, from that toxic environment or else they won't thrive or they will get sucked into that negativity and that toxic environment. So that then when we do get rid of those original toxic forces, then the new people are just as toxic. Mm -hmm. So we uh, recently were charged by a client to, interview, hire, create a team that's isolated from the company for the purpose of uh, trying to bring in a capable team that has the ability to turn out work mm-hmm. while being isolated from, from the company negativity. Mm-hmm. And that can be a helpful feature that you could roll out. And it's something that has to, you really need the right environment and right situation for that to be able to be successful. Um, and this is only necessary in really extreme cases. Mm-hmm. Often we just have this general kind of general underlying slow Mm -hmm. cycle of negativity and in that you really could shift your culture and bring that new team on and hopefully use them to kind of re-energize the company it's only when you have these truly toxic forces that cannot be turned cannot be saved Mm -hmm. that you really have to take these extreme measures there's always a way out and so if there's a caustic environment in place, you should be asking, why in the world would people want to come work here? Mm-hmm. So, again, it's not a recruiting problem. It's a culture problem. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes where we find ourselves is that that caustic, it, it's often one person. Uh, and that caustic person is often good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and we saw this in a job that you had mm-hmm. uh, where you had a, a project management, a project manager who was really good at the part of his job that was important. Mm -hmm. But when that person is turning over a lot of money for you, but destroying the rest of your team, you have to ask yourself where your focus is, what's important. What is the real cost? So if Mm -hmm. if this is a transaction, what am I paying and what am I getting? Mm -hmm. I might be getting a lot of money in the short term, Mm -hmm. but what am I getting in the long term? Well, and am I prepared to run a company that's just me and this person and other people like them. They get who turned can, under. Yeah. Who, well, and who, if we had, if we could find them a team that would survive under them, mm-hmm. if we could hire those people who could stay on that team with that person, mm-hmm. is that the company we want? Is that a good thing? Is that who we want to be? Mm-hmm. So 
what what a lot of folks struggle with is the idea of how do I know whether or not I have a culture problem? Mm-hmm. How do I know if my recruiting problem is truly just that, a mm-hmm. recruiting problem? Or how do I know if it's actually something wrong with the foundation of the company? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think before we even get into the identification of, of culture problems, another important part to identify here is I think often when we hear, I can't find good people, it is an out an outward facing problem. Mm-hmm. It is a thing that is happening to me. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the best I can, but the good people just aren't out there. It's they just the, don't exist. It's the victim mentality. Yeah. There's nothing I can do. This is something that's happening to me. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that either way, you need to turn your mindset to say either I have a culture problem that I need to fix, even if it's a really big problem, even if it's a problem, it's not being generated by me. If I'm a leader at this company, it's my job to fix that problem. Mm-hmm. Or I have a recruitment problem. I'm not doing the right things to recruit the right people. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking more about that next week in our episode about recruitment. But ultimately, it's important to understand that this is not a problem of there just isn't anyone good out there. This is a problem that you are not reaching the right people. Mm -hmm. And whatever the cause of that is, this is a thing that is for you to fix. So when we talk then about Okay, now I'm, I'm in the right mindset. Now I know that I need to fix this problem. How do I know if I need to fix a recruiting problem or if I need to fix a culture problem? Because the truth is sometimes we walk in the door and the leadership at the company says, oh, we definitely have a culture problem. This is how on earth do we fix this culture problem? And we can talk more about that later. But often people tell us, no, it's a great culture. It's a good culture. We have a loyal team. We have people who want to work together. It's a good culture. And as we step deeper, we realize that it's actually a very dysfunctional culture, mm-hmm. even though we have good people, loyal people, we have a culture that's not serving them. So it can be really hard to pull that apart, especially as someone who spends all your time working in your trade to think about these things in a different way and start to recognize what does a good culture look like. Mm-hmm. Some people have never known what a good culture looks like. Absolutely. They've been raised in that and have spent their life working in that culture. And cannot imagine that a good culture could happen. You know, I've had clients where I wish we could just take them to another client's business for a week yeah. and just let them watch what goes on. Because we often have this perception that says, well, this all just sounds like a bunch of kumbaya. Mm-hmm. We need to do work. We need to make money. We can't just sit around and hold hands all day by the fire. And the truth is, when you see a good culture, you see a productive culture, you see work getting done, you see people killing it all the time, but also with a smile on their face. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, with high fives going on. So I think, you know, it's it's hard because if you don't know what a good company culture looks like, it's hard for you to identify whether or not you have a good one. If you say, look, everyone who shows up always gets paid. We never miss payroll. We always take care of them. We give them bonuses, right? We, we start slipping into this compensation mindset that says, that's my, my job. That's what I have to provide to them. When the truth is, they're looking for more than that. Mm-hmm. So some of the things to look for are... What does the conflict debt at your company look like? So we talked about conflict debt. When do we talk about that? In episode, I guess, episode 18? 18. Episode 18, Understanding Productive Conflict. And we talked about what happens when we can't talk about the difficult things that come up, when we can't talk about what's hard Mm -hmm. at our company. So... The question, the first question I would ask is, how did those conversations look? So how easy is it to to actually have hard discussions? Mm-hmm. 
are we afraid? Do we go away from having discussions around conflict or, or really sensitive topics? Or do we actually rush toward them as a team and figure out what's going on so that we can get back to work? And, and it's not just do we, so we could avoid those things and just not ever have those conversations or dread them or have them. And it's, it's terribly uncomfortable and awkward, or we can have those conversations and it gets explosive Mm -hmm. and people blow up and people yell and scream and tables get turned over. Fight in the parking lot. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen all of those things. We've also seen companies where difficult conversations have to happen, but when they happen, the demeanor in the room is less less toxic, less scary, and more like when you have a conversation with mom or dad. Mm-hmm. When they're here to tell you things aren't going the way they need to be, here's what I need you to do to change it, mm-hmm. but it feels like a family. It feels like it doesn't feel like I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job or I'm afraid this guy's going to hit me. It feels like we're having a productive conversation, mm-hmm. even if I don't like what it's about. Yeah. And we're talking about the behavior. Or we're talking about the, the thing rather than the person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's one of the things that you can look for to tell you how good your culture is. Mm-hmm. Another piece you can look for is, so we often have individuals who are loyal who are connected to other individuals on the team. And that can feel like we have this culture that exists. But the truth is that when you have a culture in place, there is an underlying support structure for those relationships. There is uh, a sense of team. There are things that happen at the company level that encourage that sense of team. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of our clients that we were working with when we started with them, they were having zero meetings, Mm -hmm. zero FaceTime with the rest of the team, except for where they had to actually do their work together. And the truth or, or if something was going really wrong and mm-hmm. they had no other choice. And the truth is, when we have an environment like that, we could talk for a whole nother episode about why those meetings make your work more efficient from a from an operations standpoint. But the secondary piece of that is we need FaceTime with each other. We need to see the other people we work with and have conversations. And uh, one of the things that we often like to put on the agenda for staff meetings is what are the good things happening mm-hmm right now. And it could be with your project, but it could also be with your life. We had someone pipe up and say, oh, I'm celebrating my anniversary with my wife this weekend. Yeah. And We're going to our favorite cabin. And when you don't hear from me, that's why. Mm-hmm. And, and those pieces are important. And when we work at a company that sees those pieces as irrelevant or mm-hmm. as wasteful, that's evidence of a, of a rough company culture. Mm-hmm. So I, we always look for whether or not there are company events and mm-hmm. and whether or not uh, the company events are inclusive of spouses or kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does this company feel more like a family? Mm-hmm. Do we have company picnics that people actually show up to? If we have, yeah. If we throw events and have trouble getting people to attend, mm-hmm. that is great evidence that our company culture is lacking. And often people will look at it like, well, I guess they don't like the event that I picked. Mm-hmm. I guess they mm-hmm. want me to spend more money on this stuff. And the truth is people should come to the events to be together. Mm -hmm. And again, if you look at that and that sounds to you like a crazy idea that your team would want to be together on a Saturday, Mm -hmm. not every Saturday, just a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. If, if your team wouldn't want to get together, 
that is evidence of a rough company culture. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be at a five-star venue. Mm-hmm. It could be at a park. Yes. One of our barbecue. clients. Yeah. One of our clients has every single summer company picnic that's just at a park mm-hmm. and that's it. And they bring uh, what, cornhole. <laughs> they bring like horseshoes. It's just it's just like a family cookout. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a great it's great evidence of company culture when people come together for the reason of being together. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we should never mandate, that somebody has to show up for. Absolutely. It needs to be that they want to be there. Mm-hmm. And again, that's so that's those are some of the pieces. If people won't come to our company picnic, they may either say, well, I'm not doing something cool enough. Mm-hmm. Or they say, I guess I need to just tell them they have to come. Mm-hmm. But we should look at those events and what kind of attendance we get at those events as a thermometer. It tells us something about our culture. And again, so you said we need to make sure that we're inclusive of family, the Mm -hmm. family are invited. But then the other question is, if family are welcome, how many people bring their family? Mm -hmm. Because when we see people who have family, who have spouses, who don't bring them to the event, Mm -hmm. that's evidence that they are keeping their personal life very separate Mm -hmm. from their work life in a way that probably reflects negatively on our culture. So as a company goal, we should try to create a company culture that people are clamoring at the doors for Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with the compensation or the the financial packages. Mm -hmm. It should be uh, in in our lifeblood, in the work that we do. This should be what people are talking about and chattering about. They should want to know more about how could I get involved in that company? Mm -hmm. And when we've created the culture to do that, that is synergistic in nature and it's electrifying and it will spread like wildfire on its own. Mm -hmm. The, The company that has the excellent company picnics every year, when you walk into their building, the first hallway that you see, the wall is plastered with these big posters that each one is a collage of pictures of mm-hmm. everyone at the company picnic. Mm-hmm. Not just the one picture that we take at, at the end of the time. picnic where we yep. line everyone up, but it's pictures of people sitting around and eating hamburgers and throwing horseshoes and wading in the water with their kids. These pictures are on the wall because this culture is something we carry beyond just the that day in June or July when we're having that picnic. And mm-hmm. if you were to interview at that company, you would walk through that hallway and get a sense of what that family looks like. Mm-hmm. So with the determining whether or not we have a culture problem, it oftentimes comes down to how safe do people feel? Do they feel like they can make mistakes? Do they feel like there's someone to go to when they have a problem? Do they feel like as long as they're trying and putting their best foot forward and showing up and and just doing their best, Mm -hmm. is that good enough? uh, To to prevent from being punished or ostracized or what have you, because whether or not we have that coaching mentality or the family mentality, that makes all the difference in the world about whether or not you would want to participate mm-hmm. in that in that company. Yeah. So question one is, if you think about a time when someone made a big mistake that was just definitely and obviously their fault, they mm-hmm. screwed up. What did they do? Did they come immediately to the person? It doesn't have to be you as the leader of the company, but did they go to someone immediately and say, I screwed up. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Or did they work and stress to hide it and to try to fix it themselves? Or and, try to blame someone else. Or blame someone else mm-hmm. and ultimately make the problem worse. Mm-hmm. Because a culture where people come to us with their mistakes is a, a functional culture. Mm-hmm. Do we... Do we 
hire slow and fire fast mm-hmm. or the other way around. And I think another piece of this is what happens if something bad happens to someone mm-hmm. in the company? If someone uh, feels unsafe, feels like someone else has crossed a line, mm-hmm. what do they do there? Do they come directly to you and talk to you? Or is this something else that gets it gets covered over, gets hidden, and then we find out when this problem becomes explosive? If we, if we do end up with someone in the company who's problematic or toxic, uh, does that get immediately brought to the forefront? Or is it something that no one feels like they have the support to ask for help? Right. So those are kind of some of the, the watermarks you can look for to tell you whether people feel safe at your company. So what's the jetpack? Hmm. We didn't have a jetpack. This one was serious. Uh, wait. Hashtag omelet bar. Omelet bar. Well, but then we can't call the episode omelet bar. That's okay. We probably want to call the episode something more like business, like do you have a recruiting problem or do you have a cultural problem? Subtitle, is this an omelet bar problem? But if we put omelet bar in the title, then it's not a good jetpack because then people can cheat. It's true. Without listening to the episode. But they don't necessarily know. That's true. They wouldn't know that's a jetpack. Is this an omelet bar problem? <laughs> so then the jetpack is omelet bar. Problem. Problem. Omelet bar problem. That's also my band name. Yes. We're like a, a chick punk rock band. I was thinking a little ska. Yeah, like a little, a little ska, ska going on. But like we're like up there like just raging like way out of key on mm-hmm. the stage. And like at the front of the stage, there are like a couple of people just like working away at the omelet bar, just handing it out into the audience. Like, Are they handing it out or are they throwing them? They're throwing it. That's exactly <laughs> it. They throw omelets out into the mosh pit. Love it. <laughs> I have to make sure that they're cooled enough. Omelet mosh pit is omelet the jetpack. Omelet mosh pit. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, is that good enough? Uh, I think it is. Can we go home now? Uh, yes, we oh. could go home. Okay. You can find us at www.thecriticalpathwithmaryandjason.com. You can also find us at www.jarrettsandjarrettes.com, which is our fan forum. Watch for the spelling. You can find us on Omelette Bars Are Us. That's not a thing. That's not a domain that we own, and we already own way too many domains. Wait, hold on. I'm going to see. No, I d- can find it. don't see because we cannot. We cannot buy omelet bars. Are us? Although we are looking to, we have to find out from our building if we're allowed to have a, a hot plate in our office. But if we are, then we are looking. Omelet barsaurus. That's nice. Omelet carsaurus. So we are actually looking. <laughs> We are actually looking for whether or not we can start having an omelet bar at our training sessions. So, you know, watch for that. Watch for it. Watch for it. You can find us on Twitter at Arcade Wayfinder. You can find us on Instagram. And I still don't know what our Instagram is. So that's problematic. I need to actually talk to our social media director. You can find us at the grocery store on some days. That's true, I guess. It is true. I don't know that I would like direct people to look for us there. Like we're not there that often. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can find us. Is that everything? We got Instagram. We got Twitter. Oh, you can find us on LinkedIn. Jason Sturgeon, Mary Sturgeon. Yes, we are there. And the Arcade Company page, which now should be a little bit more lively now that we have a social media director, our daughter Cadence, who is now 
working full-time on our social media. Well, not full-time on our social media. It's not that heavy. We could also uh, put in a plug here for the uh, Future Builders Council. Oh, absolutely. And I think we're going to be doing an episode on that soon. Uh, so our daughter, Cadence, is looking to start a council with Associated Builders and Contractors, ABC. Uh, that is the Future Builders Council. That is basically the teenagers who are in some way or another affiliated with the construction industry. So these are folks 16 to 22 in that neighborhood who want to become more active in the leadership of construction. Mm -hmm. And then this will also give them the ability to have visibility of uh, legislation yep. that affects construction companies. Absolutely. And, and kind of just position themselves to be the next generation of leaders, mm -hmm. uh, both at ABC and also in the industry. Mm -hmm. So we're super proud of her for that. And if you know a 16 to 22 year old, and if you are affiliated with ABC, but you can get affiliated with ABC if you are not already. Mm -hmm. Watch for it. Watch for it. <laughs> so anything else? Or are we ready for outtakes? Uh, hold on. No, we don't need to hear your Cars Are Us video. That's... Carsaurus. Carsaurus? <laughs> Nothing to do with omelet bars. You went from this is very nice. I'm like my dad outside the high school. <laughs> you know that kills people. <laughs> no one died when my dad did it. Oh, Let's just okay. be clear. No one died when my dad did a bleach burnout. Okay. The point is, we started with omelet bars, are us, yes. and then went to some kind of a muscle car with bleach on its wheels situation. There you go. That's enough of that. That's enough. That's enough of that. We gotta stop. <laughs> and... Oh, I have the wrong mouse. Hang on. The two mouse situation, which could be another good jetpack, actually. Mouse situation. <laughs> it's really but not relevant. We will stick with omelet mosh pit. Omelet mosh pit. Omelet mosh pit. Watch for it. Watch for it.